Church. Amen. Well, to take this opportunity 
to welcome all our KKVV listeners on the 1060 AM dial once more to the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church located at 1720 North J Street, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89106. Indeed, it's a privilege to have you joining us here at this wonderful uh, senior pastor installation here at the Abundant Life Church. We also want to welcome those of you who are watching live online, and some of you are regular viewers online. We know that because we see the record. We invite you one of these days that you may join us here at the Abundant Life Church in live and living color. Indeed, it is an awesome occasion, and we have speaking to us today our senior pastor, O'Neill Madden. Before he comes to minister to us with a, speci a special message uh, to share with us, I ask that you may get your Bibles and prepare to study as he ministers to us. Before we hear from Senior Pastor Madden, we have a special treat for you. Uh, we'll be hearing from all of our three choirs today. It's the combined choirs that will be ministering to us in song, right after which we will hear from Senior Pastor O'Neill Madden, Hear Ye Him.
a little strange <laughs> I was asked uh, is, does this mean that I need to wear this robe every Sabbath and I was told no preacher uh, this is a communion robe <laughs> and uh, I want to take this opportunity to invite you to communion next Sabbath 
And in preparation for communion, we're asking you to study Psalm 91. Take a verse, memorize it. As you go through verse by verse right throughout the week, uh, pray over it. Uh, make sure that nothing is between your soul and your Savior. That as we enter into communion, we will be pure. Amen? Our sins forgiven, and we will be ready for the miracle that God will do for us. I want to thank um, the conference, Elder Hall, and uh, for... Uh, welcoming me to this conference. Thank you very much, you and your wife, and I uh, want to thank Pastor Leroy's. Uh, I don't know, but um, he was one of the first ones, I think the first one I, I spoke to that called me actually um, a few months ago and uh, for me to come out here and, and preach. And you know the rest of the story. Uh, but I have been calling Pastor Leroy's for, uh, I, I, I would say, a number of times during the day. Um, uh, where is this? Where is, do you have a cleaners? Do you, uh, where can I find this? How can I get here? What have you? We need to visit this person. Um, Pastor Leroy's is indeed uh, a man of God. And I think that God has merged our ministries uh, for such a time as this. And I believe as we were talking yesterday, we're going to look back to this very time and we're going to say, remember Vegas? And I don't know what God has prepared, but I know it is something good. And I'm prepared for it. My family, my wife, myself, um, our children, Daniel and uh, Crystal, we are prepared. We are fired up and we're ready to go. Amen. I want to thank God for bringing um, dad, <laughs> mom, <laughs> bringing them to town. I was just telling uh, Pastor Martin, Dr. Martin, uh, for, you know, it's interesting that he is being uh, there at these significant moments in my life. And it's always good to have somebody that can, you can call up in ministry and um, he would be able to pray or to give one of uh, these amazing seminars. Uh, we have many seminars traveling back and forth uh, to, on our long trips, many of them to Oakwood. And uh, the Lord has just blessed our ministry. It's been an honor for all these years, way back from 1990, early 90s. 1995, where uh, we, our ministries were merged, and I thank God for all that he has done for us all these years. And know oh God it will continue to bless you, uh, Sister, you don't like me to call you Sister Martin, Jeannie, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, she is an example of a pastor's wife, and my wife is always saying, man, I love Sister Martin. And I thank you for just being there over all these years for us and coming to Vegas to um, be a part of our installation here. Amen? Amen. Thank you very much. Um, I know that 
I have some Montrealers watching. I got some calls um, over the week uh, that they have been watching the broadcast and uh, they're tuning in. So I just want to say welcome to all the Montrealers, uh, Elder Walter, Elder Allen, uh, Sister Susie, and some of the others that's watching and being a part of the service. And I want to say congratulations to those four individuals that were baptized last week. I went back to move, and they said, no, Pastor, you have some unfinished business. And so we had a baptism last week. Uh, the heating system uh, failed us in that Montreal weather, and we had to have some cold water baptism. But we want to praise God. Anyhow, <laughs> we're serving a mighty God that even in cold water, when I stepped in, the water just warmed up for me. And I had to keep smiling because I didn't want to scare the baptismal candidates away. <laughs> but we praise God anyhow for all that he has done. The last thing I want to just encourage the church leaders or new leaders Tomorrow at 9 o'clock, we need to see all our leaders at 9 o'clock uh, from 9 to 12. We're going to be doing some visioning in preparation for next year. So at 9 o'clock tomorrow, right here in this very room, we'll be meeting all our leaders uh, for this church. And um, a lady... Can I call the lady's name? A lady came forward and gave me an envelope. And she says, Pastor, I won't be here on the 15th. For on the 15th, uh, we have a special day. And it says, plunk it down. 12, 15, 12. And she says, this is our plunk it down. I'm plunking, I'm plunking it down early. And I just want to thank God for uh, the commitment of uh, individuals in uh, committing themselves to plunk it down Sabbath. Now I want you to know we're going to have an extra special celebration on this plunk it down Sabbath uh, on the 15th of December. Uh, we want everyone to come to church, everyone, even listening on the radio, listening over Ustream. And everyone in this church, we want you here at 8 o'clock in the morning because we're going to be having breakfast together. We're going to be having our first annual Sabbath School Cafe. And we want everyone to come. We're going to be having our Sabbath School lesson in a different way in our Sabbath School Cafe as we begin that Plunk It Down Sabbath. And we're going to be having a preach out as well this day is going to be the day that we launch our program, our evangelistic program, uh, the preparation of it for 2013. And so we want to get everyone involved in this, all our members. And so we want you there uh, next, uh, the 15th at 8 o'clock, everyone, and come prepared to stay the whole day. The Lord is going to bless us as we prepare uh, for next year and we want to prepare in style but as you come 
I want everyone to come with their special gift. My family, uh, we have converted some of our Canadian currency that is a little better than the U.S. currency sometimes, right? And we, we are planning to, uh, to have our plunking down Sabbath, and we're going to come plunking down something heavy. We're not going to come light. And so we want you to match us uh, as we come to plunk it down. There's a certain percentage that's going to go to the church school. And it's going to go to um, kill the debt that we have right now in the church in, and in planning for our evangelism. And so we want you to come together to help us in this initiative as we have the plunk it down Sabbath on the 15th. Amen? How many of you are going to be participating on Plunk It Down? I want to see both your hands up because that means that you're coming with all. Amen? Amen. As we prepare ourselves for the Word of God, we believe wherever God's Word is preached, we know that God's Word never, never returns unto Him void. I'm asking you to give me a little more on this mic. It's a little flat. And as we prepare ourselves in the Word of God, once we open the Word of God, I want you to understand the Word of God is power. It's power. And this Word has the ability to do something, strange things and great things that we can never imagine. And we are serving a mighty God. Amen? Amen? And so as we open the word, I want you to open to our scripture reading that we read this morning. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're looking at verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and we're looking at verse 7 through 9 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verses 7 to 9 verse 7 reads I hear you turning still alright verse 7 but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Verse 8, it says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Let us pray. Eternal God in heaven, we, your people, come right in this place to worship you. As we assemble ourselves, Lord, at this time, we pray that your Holy Spirit will touch down and bless each and every one that is hearing your words now. I pray, Father, that you'll hide me a mere earthen vessel, hide me behind Calvary's cross. I pray, Father, that you will purify my words and that you will just preach through me, Father, to your people 
and that we will never be the same again. Lord, we just ask that you will connect us, Lord, to that divine appointment even now, Father, that as your word go out, Lord, it will not go out and return unto you void. Bless and keep us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. But we have this treasure in earthen vessel. We have this treasure in earthen vessel. I want you to understand that anything that is of man will fail. Anything that is of this earth is subjected to the fire and it will burn. Up a relationship with Jesus Christ and to develop his character. And the Lord has set forth so many wonderful gifts for his people that if we yield ourselves to him, the Lord has promised that great blessings will come upon us. And so today as we look at the words of God, it, it, we want to see the word of God come alive in us. So many times as God's people, we play around with his words, not recognizing that these words are power and these words are life. And we have a wonderful treasure that God has given us. And that the greatest treasure that we have is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Now the Bible tells us in verse 8 of our scripture reading that we are troubled on every side, but not distressed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. Now as God's people, uh, we are troubled at times. We are in distress at times, but the Lord, he says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. It tells us that we are persecuted, but we are not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. As God's people, we go through all kind of things in life, and sometimes we think that somehow that's it. We have gone too far. But one of the things that I realize with God is that once there is life, there is hope. God is always there for us. And he always provides a way of escape for each and every one of us. And so when we look at this, the, the troubles and the trials and the tribulations that we go through, as you are hearing my voice right now, you may be wondering and saying that, you know, I'm, I'm going through so much in life. I'm, I'm, I'm going through all of these tribulations and trials and so forth. And you wonder at times if God exists. You wonder if God is even listening to you. But I want you to know that we are serving a prayer answering God. And God always, he's always there for us. I just remember the other day. I was going through a little trouble. And you know, sometimes we, we are like that computer that is stuck in a certain mode and we are searching for a way out. We're searching for a solution. And that was what I was going through. And I remember 
I started to pray and I said, Lord, please, can you help? And before I could finish the word help, it's as if the Lord just flooded my brain with a revelation of how high God is, of how wide he is. And I was thinking of that trouble that I was going through. And I thought of it. I said, you know something? My trouble, I could probably uh, identify the height of my trouble. I could probably identify the width of my trouble. But God is taller than our trouble. He is wider than our trouble. God is a God that he stands so tall that we can't ever imagine his height. And so when I thought of that, I said, you know, why am I worrying? Why am I fretting? God, he has taken care of me in the past. He will always take care of me once I keep my hands in his hands. Amen. And so when I think of this, and I think of this text that, we are, that I'm reading here in Corinthians, we are thrown down, but we, we get up. We may be persecuted, but we're not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed. The Christian walk is not an easy one. But when God is with you, he will help you through whatever trials or tribulation that you may be going through. Amen? Amen. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, it says, For a just man falleth seven times, but rises up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. A just man falleth seven times, but get up. That's one of the great things that we have. The greatest gifts. We will all fall. We will all fail. But God, he will always provide a way for us to get up. He always provides a way of escape. Amen? Amen. In the book of Judges... Chapter 13, we, he, we see this uh, story, a story of this great champion, a man called Samson. This man was an amazing man. Some uh, individuals would contend that this story was not true. They say that it is a myth. Because no man could do anything like that. It is just some fairy tale that was passed down in, in Jewish literature and somehow it ended up in the Bible. But I believe what we read in the pages of Judges chapter 13 and chapter 15, uh, 14 and 15 is real. And what we see here is the amazing power of God. Now some of us, we have read this story from a child and heard it read to us from a child, the story of the great Samson. And if you remember, uh, Samson, he came about uh, in a very unique way. Remember that his mother was not able to give birth. She was not able to bear a child. And uh, um, as you read the story, the angel that appeared unto the mother and, and eventually unto the father and told them that they were going to bear a son and that a son was going to come. And it says there in uh, verse 3 and 5, it says, And the angel 
appeared unto the woman and said unto her, verse uh, 3, chapter 13, verse 3, an angel appeared unto the Lord, unto the woman, and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore be aware, therefore be aware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, or eat not eat not or eat not anything unclean, for lo thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto the God from the unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Now the interesting thing as we read this, she is promised that a son was going to come. And as the son was um, uh, uh, came into existence, she was told how she had to grow her child up. She was told that she should not uh, eat anything of the, of the vine, wine, strong drink, that she should not eat anything unclean, nor shall she cut his head, cut his hair. Now, the interesting thing about this, as you look at this story, is that it seems that God is preparing this family for, for something great. But God sets up some parameters and said, this is what I want. These are the rules for growing this child up. There are certain boundaries, and I want you to live within these boundaries. There are certain connections that God had set up for this child. Now, in verse 24 and 25, it says, the woman now, Bear a son and call his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit, the spirit of the Lord began to move at times in the camp of Dan between Zophra and Eschatol. Now, I want you to understand, we see here for the first time in the life of this man, that the Spirit of God is working in his life. The Spirit of God is working and moving. And in, indeed, the Lord, the, the promise came, the child came, and the real action began now in Judges chapter 14. Now, we notice it opened up in Judges chapter 14, verse 1. Then Samson went down and his father and his mother to Timnath. And he came to the valley of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. And the spirit of the, of the Lord was mighty up on Samson, up on him, and rent him. That's the, the, the lion. And rent him as he was uh, a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father nor his mother what he had done. Now what we're seeing, that something interesting, that the Spirit of God was up on this child. And 
this man, this child, now a man, was able to do amazing things because he had the Spirit of God upon him. Now, the scripture opened up that here, uh, Samson, he was not interested with the, the local women in Israel. He was interested in the women down in Timnath. But the scripture says that it was something that God was working out. That was God's permissive will. And we see that Samson, he would at times in his life tinker on the outskirts of God's will. He, was, he, would, he would press the limits of God. And Samson was a child that grew up in the church. He knew the right ways. He knew what was right and what was wrong. He knew all his lessons. He was well trained. His mother answered the instructions of that angel. And she did not bring grape wine or juice to him. She did not cut his hair. All of the things that the angel told him, she followed. And she did all that she could. Now, when I was reading this story, I think of some mothers and even some of my relatives that come to me and said, you know, we have done all we can for this child. We grew him up in the right way. We brought him to Sabbath school. We've done all of these things. But look at him now. He is in jail. Sometimes, parents, you may do all you can. You may grow your child up in the right way, but somehow they decide to choose another path. You know, but think of this now. Samson was that example. He was brought up in the right way, but he chose his own path. Now, when we think of this now, in Judges chapter 16, we see that Samson eventually, he wondered and tinkered and did all these things, and Samson came to and came to and fell in love with this woman called Delilah. Delilah. Have anyone ever named, does anyone have a, know a Delilah? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was, in, in Montreal, actually in Vermont, there is this uh, lady, she has a, a Christian, um, a Christian love um, station, and they call it Delilah. And the first time I heard that, that was the first, I said, Delilah, you know, can you imagine that? You know, but I thought of this, this whole Delilah experience here. Samson, he fell in love with Delilah. This woman, he thought that she was the bomb. He thought that this woman, I mean, she was the real thing. He thought that this woman, she had my heart, she had my confidence, and everything. Watch out who you date. <laughs> uh, men and women, right? Watch out. This Delilah, she was one now. She wanted uh, the, the Philistines, they noticed that, you know, they were close. And they came up to Delilah and says, hey, Delilah, you know, if we give you a certain sum of money, would you um, try to, you know, tinker and find out the source of Samson's strength? And uh, Delilah, she bargained and she agreed on a certain sum. 
And as a result of this now, she was, she, she was looking for an opportunity and asked Samson over and over, you know, pray in verse uh, 6, uh, pray, tell me, what is the source of thy strength? Where is their strength, right? And, and Samson, you know, he says, well, if you bind me with green, seven green uh, cords that, that has never dried, yeah. right, yeah. I may be weak and uh, just as any other man. And what do you think she did? She went and got exactly what he said and bound him. And Samson, Samson, the Philistines are up on thee. And Samson immediately, immediately, he got up and, you know, popped this business and took care of business, right? And Delilah, she was so angry and said, Samson, you know, come on, we're trying to have a relationship here and you're lying to me? Come on, you're deceiving me? Come on, why do you tell me the source of your strength? And he said to her in verse 11 now, in verse 11, and he said unto her, If thou bind me fast with new ropes that never were occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. And Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith and said unto him, The Philistines are upon thee, Samson, and there were liars in wait, abiding in the chamber. And he brake them um, from off his arms as threads, and he dealt with business, right? Took care of business. Now, think with me now. Here we see the second test. But each time that Samson is asked this question, he is getting closer and giving in, closer and closer to this woman. He is actually, he is actually telling her his secret. Right? Getting closer and closer. And Delilah now, she is really besides herself. And she's angry. And she said unto her, unto him in verse 13, uh, Samson, hither, hither thou, hast thou mocked me all these times and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou, thou mightest be bound. And she said, un he said unto her, if thou weave seven locks, seven locks of my head as a web. And she fastened it with a pin and said unto him, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awakened out of his sleep and went away with the pin as the beam and as, as the beam of web and with uh, the web. Now, think with me here again. Samson, uh, he is getting closer, and he's saying, well, the clue is with my hair. And she's figuring out cords, these, um, these ropes, cords, now his hair. And each time Samson is, he is able to escape. Now, I'm going somewhere, where, somewhere with this. Just listen to me. In verse 15, And she said unto him, How canst thou say? How canst thou say, I love thee? When thine heart 
is not with me. Doesn't that sound modern? I could see Hollywood saying, come on, how could you say you love me? If, I mean, come on, and the soft music is playing behind, you know. How could you be saying that, man? Come on. We, we're trying to have a relationship here, and you're deceived. Come on. How canst thou say that thou love me? And, uh, and your heart is not with me. Thou hast mocked me all these three times, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. Come on, how do you expect us to have a relationship? We can't have a relationship on these terms. I don't think, you know, I, I'm, I'm, this is over. Could you imagine? And she was just playing him, right? And here, Samson, Samson now, uh, he, and he came down to it now. And just understand, this was over a time. Many individuals, we think that this all happened in the same night. But check it out in verse 16. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. She was bugging this man. She was bugging him, bugging him. And he was vexed unto death that he told her all his heart. And said unto her, There hath not come a razor up on my head. That's it now. There has not come a razor up on my head. For I have been a Nazarite unto the Lord from my mother's womb. And if I be shaven, my strength, if, my, if I be shaven, then my strength, my strength will go from me. And I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw, it says when Delilah saw this immediately, when she saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines and saying, come, come up at once. Come up, I've got it. For he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money. And brought money in their hands. They came up. They were sure they got it this time. They brought the money. Right? And she made him sleep up on her knees. Be careful where you sleep. She made him sleep up on her knees and called and called for a man and called for a man and she caused him to shave off his head, the seven locks, seven locks off his head. Perfect, right? And she became, began to afflict him and his strength went from him. Now I'm going to stop there and I want you to understand what's happening here. You know, so many times we play around with the gifts that God has given us. So many times we say, you know, listen, I have done this sin a little bit here and I've tinkled a little, I told a little lie, I slept with this one, I've kissed this one, I've gone to the gambling, uh, what do you call it, casinos? I, you guys know it, right? 
I'm getting to know this, right? You, I've gone to all these places, right? And I've played and I have gained a little, right? And so maybe God is really with me. There is something with us that we think that we are invincible. And when we get away with a little sin, we think that, hey, that's it, you know? I could continue. I could, I could go a little further and further and further and further. And this was the life of Samson. He knew that he had the Spirit of God. He knew that God had been with him and he won many battles. He went down in one battle and took a donkey's jawbone and he just wiped out a thousand men. So I must be powerful. God must be with me. I could do whatever I want. God's Spirit will come to me as he had done in the past. And so many times, even as young children, we think that, hey, we could get away with things. As adults, uh, we could try this and, and tinker with this and that. And somehow we think that God will always be with us. The Spirit of God will always tarry with me. Right? It's all right. You know, so many times I have discussion with young adults. And they're saying, oh man, I'm so lonely. I don't want, I don't know what to do. You know, and the church is so boring. I, I want to have some fun. Right? And so I, I, they sneak away on a Friday night and they go to the club or on a Saturday night and unwind with a, a little percentage, you know? And, and you're just having, just, just, just having a great time. And, you know, you think that you could press a little bit and press a little bit, you know, and show up in church and just sing a few hallelujah songs. And that's all right. But not knowing that God, he is looking and he is weeping for you. He is seeing that if you continue down this pathway, you are going to go to your own destruction and death. And, that, and that's what we're seeing in the life of Samson. Samson. Samson was this man that was, he knew he had it. He knew he was handsome. He knew he was strong. He knew he was a man of God. He knew he had came from a good family. And so Samson was sporting it around. But he was not committing his whole time to God. And so many times Samson was found tinkering, tinkering. God's people, we need to watch out. There are too many of us. We have played around all these years with our Christianity. Played around. And God wants us, he wants to commit us. He wants us to be committed. But we are tinkering, not knowing that this could be our last. This morning when Pastor Leroy and myself was at the hospital, and we were just thinking, can you imagine there's a woman that is fighting for her life. And so many times we are just playing around with our relationship with God like Russian roulette. Not knowing that this day could be our last day. Samson was playing around. Playing around with this harlot, Delilah. Not knowing that, hey, this could be his last. But as we see here in Judges chapter 20, it says here, and she said, 
The Philistines are up on thee. She did all she could now. He was bald. His head was shining. He had no locks. Those seven perfect locks were gone. You know, you ever seen these uh, dreadlocks, these Rasta, right? The hair grows so long that they just seven locks, right? I'm not saying anything here, right? But I always say, you know, commercial break. I always say when I meet up some of these Rastas, you know, and I say, do you, you, you say you're a Rasta, you say this and all of that. What, what's it all about? And it's, it's my religion. I said, do you really know what you believe in? And they said, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm like a Nazarite. I said, do you know what a Nazarite is, right? This is someone that is dedicated to God, right? And they, they think that somehow, you know, um, the herbs and all of these things are, are, are given, right? Are given, right? For us to use in any form, right? <laughs> and so they could, I remember one guy, he told us, and Pastor Martin, you remember him, uh, Susan's husband. He's now deceased. And he says, listen, anyhow, if I, I could mash it, eat it, and I could smoke it and drink it, it don't matter, right? God has given it to us. But so many people don't understand even what in the word of God, the, the Nazarite, when you take a Nazarite vow, you are vowing to follow God. You are dedicating yourself to God. You are saying that, listen, these are certain things that I would abstain from. I'm not going to be drinking alcohol. I'm not going to be drinking anything of the wine. I'm not going to have anything unclean. I am dedicating myself to God. Some, some of it is for a time or some is right throughout their life, right? And this is a serious thing. Now, Samson, right now, he, his whole vow has been desecrated. And he should have seen where this woman was leading him. But this woman had deceived him, right? And he could not see deception. He was blinded by love. He was blinded by lust. He was blinded by all of these things that was put before him that he could not even hear the Spirit of God. And so Samson, right at this time, the, the Philistines are upon thee. And Samson woke out of his sleep and he said, yes, man, just like time before, God is going to come upon me and he called upon the power of God, right? And as he called upon the power of God, he recognized there was something missing, something missing. And he says, I will go as at other times before and shake myself. Right? I will go and shake myself. Right? And he was not that the Lord had departed from him. He did not know that the Spirit had left him. He didn't know. He thought he had the Spirit. He was sleeping on the knees of a prostitute. And he didn't know the Spirit had left him. There's someone in church that came to church today and you just came to check in, to show up, to feel good. And you know that you're going back to your mess tonight or this week, right? And you are playing around with your life. Playing around. Samson did not know that the spirit had left him. 
He didn't know. Could it be that there's someone listening to the word right now that is in this category? You know you're leaving church and you're going back to your mess. And you know that God's spirit has blessed you and is blessing you. And you're having all this money. You have a house. You have all of these things and a job and all of these. And, but somehow you're playing around. And you do not know that the spirit is about to leave you. Samson, he had the power. He had it from birth. He grew up. In elementary school, he did amazing things. He was the kid that stood up and prayed the prayers and everyone understood and said, wow, the Spirit of God is upon this child. In high school, he stood up with distinction. Yes, that guy, he is different. He is taller than others. He is stronger than others. God's Spirit is upon him. Look at him. As a man, he, he was cut above the rest. And he knew it. But he took it for granted. Are we taking God for granted, perhaps? Yeah, I know. Some, you come to church today and you're hearing me speak and you're saying, well, he's just doing his job. Yeah, he has to get up there and speak and whatever it is. But I'm telling you, this is life and death. This is life and death. You can't be playing. We cannot be playing around with our lives. Samson, he was fooling around and he was playing around. And immediately it says that when these guys came in and he thought he had the power to resist them, then they held him and they recognized, he recognized that he couldn't break loose. He recognized that the power was not there. In verse 21, it says the Philistines took him and put out his eyes, plucked out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza. Yeah, that place where they're fighting now, right? He, he brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he, and he did grind in prison. And all of this, he was wondering what happened. But he knew. Samson broke all of these connections. He broke all this. He knew he shouldn't eat anything, from un anything unclean. But yes, he ate honeycomb from that lion. The, the carcass of the lion, if you read it there. We see that Samson, over and over, he drank wine. Right? Read it in scripture there. Uh, and we see Samson continually just breaking Breaking all of these connections to the last one now, my strength lieth in my hair. What is connecting you to God today? What connections are we breaking? God, he has set you in this place. He has given you his word. He has given you the power of prayer. He has given you even a voice to witness for him. Are we keeping ourselves connected to God? Are we building an active relationship with God? Or are we taking it for granted? Samson, he took it for granted. He took it for granted. 
There are too many Seventh-day Adventist Christians or Christians in general walking around. And at this point in Samson's life, we'd say, that's it. Samson, you're done. You have committed the unpardonable sin. You know what the unpardonable sin, right? Uh, you have gone too far, Samson. You have done all of these things. You have drank. You ate unclean meats. You went, you parted too hard. All of these things. You are finished. But let me tell you, there is hope. Amen. Whatever you have gone through, you may have partied. You may have prostituted yourself. You may have smoked weed too hard or even a little or too much or whatever it is. I don't know. They're trying to legalize it now, right? You may have done all of these things, right? But it don't matter, right? For hearing my voice right now, hearing the word of God, there is hope. That we specialize in a God that even when the righteous falls or even the unrighteous falls, God is able to show that righteous man, uh, the righteous man a way to get up. He's able to show the unrighteous man a pathway to make him righteous through Jesus Christ to make him whole. We are serving a God that can do amazing things. And if we surrender ourselves to God, if you yield yourselves to God, amazing things can happen in your life. We have to understand that God, he loves us so much that even in our mess, he sent his son. He sent his son to live, to be judged by us, spit up on, spat up on. Right? He went, sent his son in all of this mess that as his son went through all of this, his son died on Calvary's cross, but he resurrected with healing in his wings, right? He resurrected, right, for each and every one of us. We got to understand, we serve a God. He died for you in your mess. He died for us, let me include myself, in our mess, right, that we can be saved. You know? I'm telling you, it was Satan's purpose that I'd be stuck on the East Coast in New York City. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. I should have been walking around with my guys in New York City, smoking up, doing all kind of things in New York City. But God saw fit to pull me out of that city. Pulled me out of that city some years ago and sent me back to Montreal. That one year later, I was baptized. Came out of track and field professionally, right? I was heading down a pathway of destruction, but God pulled me out of that. And praise God for that. Praise God. Samson, as we conclude, he was in prison. But his hair started to grow. You see, the Philistines did not check on his hair on a daily basis. <laughs> I want to praise God for his mercy. But his hair in verse 22 started to grow. And as his hair began to grow, there was some hope. There was some hope. And as you know, the story went that they, they pulled him out. And uh, they were jeering him and making fun of him. 
they're saying, yeah, we have Samson. And they pull all their lords and all their rulers in the temple. And, and, and Samson was there and he was blinded. Remember, he couldn't see. His problem was eyesight. No, I didn't really preach this now because time, right? But his problem was eyesight. So many of us, our problem is eyesight. We see. We see too much. We look too hard. He was looking too hard. And as a result of it, his eyes was taken from him. But I want to praise God that we serve a God even when your eyes are taken from you. He's able to strengthen you in other areas. And he heard a little boy. And that little boy, he said, son, bring me over to the pillars, yeah. the main pillars of this temple that they are worshiping the God of Dagon with. And let me just lean a little bit yeah. on this temple. And so he leaned a little bit on this temple, you know. And, you know, they said, oh, Samson, he is no threat to us. He is weak as a dog, right? He may have a big bark, but nothing, no strength, right? But they didn't realize that he's here. Those little stubs that was growing, that there was something in it, that there was some hope that God was bringing in. And he was just leaning on that. And he says, Lord, one more time. One more time, Lord. And as he leaned on the temple, he stretched and flexed. What was not able to work before, worked now because the Spirit of God came back. God is able to come back and bring you back. And the Spirit of God came back that in that destruction, when that temple and that building collapsed, he killed many more in his death than in his lifetime. God is able to do amazing things. He's able to restore you. You may feel that the Spirit has left you because you have forsaken Him. You have turned your back on Him. Your name is no longer on the church roll. But I want you to know that we serve a God that is a God of restoration. He restores you. He revives you. He rebuilds you. And today, I believe God wants to rebuild somebody. Somebody. God wants to restore somebody. He wants to bring you back. He wants to bring you in. He wants you to know that there is hope and that there is strength. He wants you to know that the life that Samson lived, Samson is a redeemed man. That even in that deathbed repentance, right? He knew that he messed up. He didn't have eyesight. But the Lord was able to come into his life, fill him, that Samson was able to accomplish the mission of God. I believe that today, that God, he wants to restore somebody. He wants to restore somebody right now. And today, we want to open the doors of this church. And we want to give you an opportunity, Mr. Visitor. We want to give you an opportunity, Mr. Farmer Church member, or Mrs. Farmer Church member, to come back to Christ. Today is your time. You want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And you want to say, Jesus, I give up. I want full restoration. I want to be restored. I want to be blessed. I want to be anointed. If this is your desire and this is your will, 
we want to have a special prayer for you today and we're inviting you to come forward you want to have a renewal and you want to say Jesus I may have messed up my life I may have gone down the beaten path with others away from you but God I'm coming back and I want to stand I want to be renewed I want to be blessed I want your spirit to come back in my life I'm inviting you to come forward I'm inviting you to come forward the Lord says today if you hear my voice harden not your heart the Lord wants you back you've been playing around fooling around in the devil's camp but he wants you back he wants you back he wants you back won't you come to the Lord today praise the Lord won't you come won't you give your life to Christ today this is the beginning of a brand new experience this is the beginning of a brand new experience the Lord wants you back he wants full restoration in your life this is the beginning of a brand new experience for you This is the beginning. The Lord wants you on his side. So many times we have played around in the devil's playground. It is time for you to switch playgrounds and come over on God's playground. Yes, the Lord is walking down your alley today. Will you not respond? Will you not give your life to him? Will you not say, let today I'm going to make a brand new start? Jesus, I want to give my life to you. I know there are many things that's holding you back. Circumstances. You're thinking that how am I going to do it? I've been living this life for all this time and I, it's, it's hard. And Listen, let Jesus figure it out. Won't you give your life to Jesus Christ today? I'm calling for recommitments. Individuals who have been out, out of the church, but you want to come back today. You want to come back and you want to say, listen, I want to surrender my life. Church attendance is not just the thing. It is consecration, giving your life to God. Amen? Amen? One of the worst and awesome scenes that this world will ever see is when the city of God, it says when Christ comes back, he will take all his people and he will bring them to heaven. The dead and the living. 
And they are going to be in that city. That in the last day, that city is going to descend from heaven. All the redeemed of the earth, that city will descend from heaven. And it will come and it will rest upon the earth. And then for the first time, we are going to see every single person that was ever born. They're going to come up alive. The wicked on the outside of the city. And God's people on the inside. God's people looking out at those that did not accept him. Those that rejected him. And those that rejected him, they're going to be looking on the inside at God's people. My question to you today is where will you place yourself? Will you be on the inside or on the outside? Christ is calling you today. Won't you come? Won't you give your life to him today? Surrendering your life today. As you have heard the word of God preached, and you want to say that I have started this journey as a Christian, but I want to recommit my life. I want to stand with the pastor, and I want to say, I want to recommit my life. I want special prayer. I'm asking you to stand with me. And even as we prepare to pray at this time, we're asking that if you are touched and you want to come and yield your life to Christ, it's not too late.